There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Big thanks to all of our friends at Barasti, who've been great partners of ours on the grill for, what, the past nine years or so. Uh, they continue to be loyal partners of the grill, despite, of course, the challenges that all of us are facing at the moment. Door shut up at Barasti. Uh, and, of course, uh, doors uh, open very much down here uh, at the uh, Grill HQ as we bring you the show live uh, from uh, our uh, venue here from the uh, main uh, um, uh, studios uh, in the heart of Knowledge Village and Media City at Dubai I 103.8. No live sport goes without saying, but plenty of talking points for us to discuss in earnest between now and nine o'clock. A loads of very special guests to look forward to as well. Between now and nine, we'll be speaking to the former coach of the United Arab Emirates cricket team. We'll be talking to the current coach of the United Arab Emirates uh, a rugby team. We'll also be hearing from the likes of Will Greenwood. Gary Neville and Graham Onions as well on their respective sports as we cast our eyes and ears over all sports and the challenges they are facing. We've also got a chalkboard up in the studio at the moment and we're going to be uh, keeping tabs on the number of times the boys say unprecedented, uncertain uh, and cautious. So 4001, if you hear any of those uh, buzzwords and buzz terms, keep your thoughts coming through. Yep, no live sport, but plenty of chat. This is The Grill, live on Dubai Eye. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Thankfully, we've got the Dream Team in studio. Yet no live sport to commentate on, no live goals to bring you up to date with. Uh, But uh, as I mentioned, no shortage of talking points. And there's only two men, really, we can call on uh, when it comes to exactly that. Uh, They might not have live to comment on, but they got plenty of opinions. An absolute pleasure to welcome into studio to give us their thoughts uh, throughout the grill this evening, uh, Chris McCarty and Robbie Greenfield. Chris Mack, um, you've been watching your posts with interest over the last few days and uh, just before we hear from chris quick reminder that you know the, this is an open forum uh, live conversation have your say as well get involved uh, at dubai i 1038 fm hashtag dubai i 1038 you can give us a call if you want 0487155500 taking your calls and thoughts throughout and text messages coming through on 4001 what's a life what's life like without well, without sport. Very good evening, Tom. Very good evening to the listeners. And I'll get it straight off the bat. Unprecedented times there we are, not, that we live there we in. There's your first there one. There's the, first that's one, one, one of many between now and nine. What is life like? It's pretty dull. I find out that I, I didn't really know my missus until sport's been Great. banned. I'm finding out a lot more about her. And more than that, Football Manager has saved me. I've started a game on Football Manager. I'm already a season in. Premier League champion. As Manchester United boss, and that's about all I've been doing over the course of the past few days. I think it's the only championship they're winning this year, <laughs> that's for sure, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, we are all going through rather extreme measures. I found myself watching and re-watching Podrick Harrington's swing tips on Twitter, uh, trying to perform various weird drills involving a tennis ball and uh, your sort of wall that you have at home. So we're all going to the extremes, Tom, to try and survive Indeed in these difficult times. But yeah, it's, it's a surreal moment, and... Um, I guess we're just waiting for the the storm to pass and for normal service to resume, but I think everyone's scratching their heads as to to when that might be because every single day seems to be worsening. (laughs) The global situation just does not seem to be getting any better. Well, to that end, uh, I think we just should open up the show if we can with on a serious note as well because I think a lot of people, uh, and one thing that all three of us have just been talking about a minute ago and we have noticed uh, here at Dubai Eye is despite the best intentions of the authorities, the visionaries, um, companies, executives, uh, a number of uh, leaders here in industry and, of course, the country to encourage uh, and insist that people... not insist, encourage, try and point people in the right direction to hashtag stay at home. Um, Unfortunately, it seems that that message is not getting across too many. So I think we can only uh, rightfully, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for you to be at home now, get that radio cranked up, listen to three hours of live sports debate with myself, Robbie and Chris, but also embrace this community effort to 
stay at home. Yeah, and more than that, and I don't want to sound preachy, that, that's not what we're here to do, but just be responsible. I, I've been reading an awful lot, as we all, ha- all have. We're all trying to get up to speed. We're all trying to furnish ourselves with more knowledge on this virus. And, and one thing that's be- become clear, yes, okay, we're being told that it affects far more the elderly. And a lot of people might think, well, that's great. I'm not old. I'll get out there. But be responsible. Think of others. And that's very much the message. Do stay at home. I know your homes. They can be lonely places. They can be a bit boring at times, but get creative. Download Football Manager. I'm not on their payroll, but do it. It's phenomenal. And just have a bit of fun. Netflix, Wavo, there's so Your much Your life things. hasn't changed much. It really hasn't, Rob. <laughs> it really you, hasn't. You're doing all the same things that you were doing a month ago now. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, it was a worry for me, Robbie, when I saw, you know, we, we do see it on the roads quite often here, this sense of entitlement. I think that's been one of the big yeah. uh, issues. Yeah. But also here, it's that sense of, you know, what, my actions don't count. Here. Well, yeah, and, and also if it's not happening to me, mm. it, it doesn't really matter. It's not happening. Mm. Um, it's that kind of uh, yeah. It's just that ability to to, to sort of realise that it's obviously extremely contagious. I know people now that have it. It's not pleasant. You know, the more we find out about it, the more we realise that that things things are not good. You know, you you want to avoid spreading it and and obviously catching it and. Mm. Uh, you know, look, I, I, as Chris just said, we don't want to be get all, getting all preachy. That's not really our job to preach to people. But what we should say is that just just bear, bear others in mind. Yeah. Um, if you're a celebrity, jump on and, and belt out John Lennon's Imagine. <laughs> and let's see that go viral. There's a lot of annoying content. You know what? One thing, one thing I am happy avoid about. Avoid social. One thing I am happy about in all of this is some of the nonsense, some of the dross that we see usually on social media has been pushed to one side. It's been forgotten about the me, me, me. The sort of, I mean, people are still doing it. They're trying to draw attention to each other, to themselves in different ways. But it's just, it, when something happens like this, it, it almost makes everything, all the Brexit talk, do you know what I mean? You don't see any of that yeah. now, do you? I, do see, I haven't seen a I'm, single mention of Brexit in the last month. And then it just made, it just made me realise the whole thing was just hot air. <laughs> it was three years. Now, obviously, I'm British, so I'm, I'm thinking about it from a very Brit-centric Brit <laughs> point of him. view. But it's just like, that was three years of people arguing with each other. And it just, see, it, now it seems so inconsequential consequential arguing about a, a political stance you know when when the, the wider problems of you know looking after everyone looking after the community making sure that people are saying staying safe making sure that your loved ones are are protected and are as safe from any you know catching the the, the virus as possibly can be mm. the only reason i would say and a little disagreement on on, on you on that is that the, the one trend i have seen at the moment and whilst it was funny uh, for the first couple of days the memes and the and the videos and you know trying to it was the old you know, sort of gallows humor wasn't it try and find and if you can't laugh then you're not going to get through it etc i get that as well but wow every single time i look at my phone now there's another 40 that have pinged into whatsapp groups this that groups and everything like that it seems like we've got more social than the the, the social media age it's yeah. like we've taken to to messaging yeah. rather than i've i've more videos have been shared with me in the last uh, did you find that in yeah. your, your various whatsapp groups people are sharing videos like never before and I think that's just because people are feeling a bit lonely and they want to they want to be connected. They want to be in touch with everyone. They want to be tapped into everything. So they're they're obviously there's a lot there's, there's a lot going there's a lot doing the round. Some of it, as is usual with social media, some of it is hilarious. Some of it is annoying. Some of it is just, it just plain head scratching. Uh, maybe that is because people are quite rightly are spending more time at home. But that, I suppose that is the mode of communication now that's rather it. than walking down the corridor to speak to someone at a desk etc it is it is whack yeah, it on a whatsapp even more so now and i think listen let, let's sit here and say we don't know when all of this will end what i think we can safely say is one day in the future the got another 44 check that three <laughs> minutes ago <laughs> and uh, it's the exact same you're getting pinged all the time and i'm sure robbie's the same but one thing that we started discussing myself and the other half today once all of this subsides tom how will the world look because you're absolutely right. Technology, it was already playing a massive part and a massive role in our lives, could be more so than ever before mm. after all of this. Currently it is because it loved ones staying in touch with one another. But how does the world look like or what does it look like once this is all over? Because increasingly now it's, it is isolation, quote unquote, and it is. You know, using this mobile phone or your iPad or whatever to communicate and to connect with the outside world. And there we say it again, you know, what, not wanting to paint too bleak a picture, um, we have 
quite a considerable time in front of us, according to yeah. the powers that be, and according to what we're hearing, without sport. So yeah. how do we come to terms with that? Given this is a, a show all about sport, we've already had Dev get involved as well. Dev is obviously doing the responsible thing, staying home, but Dev loves his sport, and Dev's not coping without sport at the moment, and he's right. It is critical. It is a critical time. Yeah. And this is something we're going to try and have a look at in more detail throughout the course of the next three hours. But to that end, if you can share your thoughts with us, I mean, just not just the, the practice of watching live sport, even mm. doing sport is a lot more difficult these days. Yeah, yeah, golf's been banging its drum because golf, of course, is supposedly one of the better things to be doing because you are not, you're not in an environment where it's particularly sweaty. A lot of people say golf's not too athletic and golf is using that non-athleticism to its advantage here Mate, because is, yeah. you are obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're in an open space where it's, it's possible to keep six feet away from one another and, and to kind of still enjoy playing, playing sport. But uh, Golf courses are open. Golf courses are open, yeah, from what I'm understood. Although I did get a message, I think Sharjah, I think Sharjah Golf Club have... Uh, have ceased operations for the time being but uh, I'd need to double check on the situation I've not seen any any uh, notices placed by any of the other golf courses in Dubai so as far as I'm aware those golf courses still are open and mm. golf remains one of the things that would appear to be one of the safer ways to go about you know spend, um, spending your time uh, and doing a sporting activity whilst also being considerate of others and and obviously doing your bit to that end, another sport that you wouldn't think would fall into that trap, snooker, world championships at the Crucible in Sheffield, confirmation in the last 24 hours that it too has been cancelled, it's been postponed, has the World Snooker Championship, April 18th through to May 4th, it kind of slipped under the net from your more kind of traditional sports, but yeah, confirmation. I'm gutted. I love the World Snooker Championships, but of course they're taking the necessary precautions, as all other sports are, and Crabs. the World Championship will have to wait until later in the year, probably. Couldn't, couldn't do it without the hush crowds, could the you? Hush you know? tones, the hush, the hush tones. tones. Exactly. Uh, listen, we're going to take a short break. What we're going to do over the next three hours is, in the absence of live sport, we're going to talk about the future of sport. We're going to go around the world of sport, the wide world of sport, focusing on specific sports, speaking to those that have played it at the top level uh, and getting your thoughts as well. So please, please do share your thoughts with us. It'd be lovely to get your thoughts uh, into the show. Text them now, 4001. Next up, uh, we turn our attention to all things cricket speak to a former Scottish cricketer and also the former head coach of the United Arab Emirates national team. Uh, Dougie Brown will be live with us in just a few moments' time. Please do keep your thoughts coming through to us on 4001. You're listening to The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Uh, lots going on in the world of sport, not so much on the field or in arenas, but certainly lots of discussion. We're going to turn our attention to cricket now. Uh, news out of the UK in the last couple of days that the county cricket season will not start until at least the 28th of May because of, you guessed it, the coronavirus crisis. The England and Wales Cricket Board said that given the current information available, a seven-week delay is the most appropriate approach. This, of course, is going to have a knock-on effect uh, for a number of players, a number of series, and many, many more. Uh, we've been in touch with former England uh, bowler Graham Onions, who's still plying his trade on the county circuit as fit as ever, uh, to get his thoughts on um, the impact it's going to have, on, not just on cricketers, but specifically bowlers. As many people out there will know, uh, bowlers preparing themselves for the start of the season, go through rigorous pre-season training as well. Uh, with that uncertainty as to when the season will start, what impact will that have on bowlers we've trained pretty hard we're in a really really good place the, the the problem that we've got from a bowler's point of view now is that we we've worked so hard to get our workloads back up and so that we're not spiking or the problem that we've got is that of course we can't bowl we can't we can bowl a little bit in our gardens but we can't we can't get anywhere to to keep that competitive edge really uh, going really those are the thoughts of Bunny Onions, a regular uh, visitor to the UAE uh, and a man, of course, our next guest uh, knows well. Uh, whilst Graham has played at the very top of the game, uh, so has uh, Mr Dougie Brown, former England and Scotland international and most recently the head coach at the United Arab Emirates national team as well. Joins us live on the line uh, and from interesting situation, Dougie, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Nice to be on it. Have you got any news for us yet, Dougie? <laughs> well, yeah, imminent. Um, I think my wife has probably just about gone into labour now, so we're just waiting to uh, 
we're just waiting to get to that point where we've got to dash off to the hospital. So you must excuse me if I do just put the phone down and, and leave mid-sentence. Chris, Robbie, myself will take great offence that you're putting... You're we'll forgive the- you, Dougie, just this once. <laughs> Listen, fella, great to have you on board. I mean, obviously you're here in the UAE at the moment. You've given so much to the game of cricket here in the UAE uh, during your time here as well. Uh, but watching on with interest, the impact that COVID-19 is having, not just on your beloved game of cricket, but sport worldwide... Heard the thoughts there of Graham Onions, Bunny Onions. I mean, just how much of a sort of spanner has this thrown into the works for cricket in general, worldwide, and scheduling moving forward? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we need to sort of separate sport and, um, and day-to-day life. Clearly, it's just chucked a span on everybody's work at the moment, you know, and this is, this is sport, you know. This is, uh, I think what you do, you, we do understand now is when you don't have sport, just how important sport is to everybody's life, people are missing it. Um, but at the, the high performance end, as, as Graham Onions was saying there, you know, it's, it's really difficult to sort of to, to understand what the next period looks like because the season has been, has been thrown into so much turmoil. Yeah, they've got a start date, but actually, is that going to be the start date? You know, probably they're going to need two or three months to get themselves into that point whereby they are game ready and they're ready to go and play and, and get out of the blocks. Um, but you know, when do they start again? You know, do they just stop now, or you know, it's a really, really tricky one for everybody involved. In terms of pre-seasons, and a lot of county cricketers, a lot of well, cricketers uh, in the northern hemisphere would be in pre-season uh, now, preparing for the imminent start uh, of a season. Is that a sort of process of building up, as you mentioned, ahead of a selected date, so you are match ready, game ready for the start of the season? Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, you'd know what the what it looks like. In general, you know, the period through the winter is, is the programme's all periodised, so everyone knows what it looks like. And you know, you have six or eight weeks off after the season. You you recover, and then you get back into your gym work and all that sort of stuff. Bowlers will start to get, as, as Bunny said, you you start to get your workloads up to a point whereby you're kind of just about match ready um, for the for the season to to begin. Um, you know, so they've got this date in May that the, the supposedly working towards but they don't really know if that day is going to be there for them you know so they have to start all over again because you can't keep going and be at match intensity now and keep going all the way through many people will probably think that's what you do but you just physically are not capable of doing that not as a fast bowler Uh, you can't just keep bowling and bowling and like you said you know the the grounds are closed they can't go and and keep the workloads at a space where they, they maybe need to be I think probably what will happen is they will they will stop, um, they will stop for a couple of weeks and have a, a, like a, a a break if you like from everything. Uh, they'll keep their strength and conditioning going if they can. And um, of course, gyms and stuff are closed now as well. So now how do they do that? And um, and then they'll sort of try to prioritise and work back towards that date in May, get their bowling workloads up to a space so that when they start the season, um, they don't just get injured straight away because. You, you know, you can't go from nothing to to a hundred without sort of the the little building blocks along the way. Because if you do as a fastball, you're going to break. Dougie, some sports have, uh, I suppose, been able to quite easily uh, adjust to to what's going on, and some events specifically, for example, the Euro 2020, it was relatively straightforward to say that's not happening in, in its current schedule. We're moving it back a year. We can do that. It fits back into the schedule. The football leagues, meanwhile. I mean, it's chaos because they're trying to finish the ongoing season and they've obviously got the new season to look forward to. Whereas cricket is, is a bit different, isn't it? The way the schedule works, the fact that you've obviously got the, the ODI League, I think, scheduled to start on the 1st of May. You've got the World Test Championship. You've got the IPL. When things do kind of get back to close to being back to normal, I mean, how do you see everything being slotted into the schedule? The IPL surely will, uh, will, 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 because of its its commercial value, will take priority over over anything else. Yeah, I mean that's, that's in the, the world game, I guess. You know, I think England have a, a massive issue. I, was, I actually was on the phone to Ashley Jarvis yesterday for half an hour or so, and he was saying it's really difficult because you know they, they need to to try to make sure the season um, is allowed to happen, assuming that it is allowed to happen. Um, but what do they do? What do they prioritise? You know, they've invested a lot of money into the hundred. Do they go with that one and, and run it as and when it was meant to be run? Or what do they do? What do they leave out? Do they condense a tournament and, and try and finish as, as you normally would at the end of September? 
it, it's a really, really difficult one to do. I suppose the good thing is, you know, they know that the season hasn't begun yet, so they can actually sit back and say, right, assuming we do start in May, what does it actually look like? You know, football, and it's, it's been a, a disaster for them because, you know, the, the two-thirds of the way through the season, the season is sort of, you know, in many regards, you know, championships have been almost decided um, and yet, the, you know, the, the rug gets pulled from under everybody's feet. So that's a really tricky one. I, I guess what they will do, and there's some r- really clever guys at the ECB, um, I've got to say that, I suppose, um, <laughs> but there's some really clever guys and, you know, they'll be sitting around tables working at exactly what it looks like to give everybody a fair opportunity to get the best out of what already is a, is a very prob- problematic start to the season. Dougie, how does it change kind of your plans as well moving forward? Of course, almost three years spent as the UE national team coach, moving on now to pastures new and looking at opportunities, opportunities etc. What is the kind of plan for you? I mean, the next few months, I guess no one knows, but next 12, 18 months and, and afar, what is the kind of plan for you moving forward? Yeah, um, you know, at, at the minute, obviously, you know, my situation is still relatively new to me. Um, you know, we've got a little one on, on its way. It'll probably be with us tomorrow, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, if not tonight. Uh, that's going to take a bit of time, obviously. Um, you know, we really like it here in the UAE. We love it. We, As a family, we really enjoy it. You know, I'm sure, um, you know, if there are opportunities around the globe, actually being based here is, is quite a, a nice place to be because it's it's easily commutable to whatever whatever, you know, needs to be done. Obviously, with the the cricket season in the UK being curtailed at this moment in time, then then opportunities that may have presented are, are clearly no longer there for me. So, um, and there's a, there's a few bits and bobs in the offing, and you know nothing absolutely agreed at the moment. So I just need to kind of sit tight and and just give it a bit of time to to understand exactly how the the world looks from a, a cricketing context, uh, and just try and make the right decision as when. Um, opportunities come back round again. Give us an insight as well, Dougie. Three years, you did some sterling work with the UE national team. You really did. The professionalism that you instilled and continued to maintain. I mean, when you look at your three years, your body of work, I mean, is it one of great pride? I mean, what's the overriding emotion? Yeah, I'm really, really chuffed with what was done. You know, we, when I took over the team, we were sort of, you know, they were on a, a pretty low ebb, if you like. And, and all we did is we, we sort of tried to, and myself and the, the team of guys around, and they bought into the vision that, that I had, and we worked really hard on on certain parts of the game. We upskilled, we, we you know we made sure guys were, were fitter than what they previously were, and put a different a different spin on everything. You know, just pro- professionalised everything. I think you need to remember that although the guys were they were professional cricketers by title, there was still a lot of very amateurish sort of mm. behaviours around what they were doing, and clearly really talented players that just really needed, you know, a bit of direction and, and that's what we tried to do. We tried to be consistent with what we're about. As I said, you know, show them a vision that, that anything was possible. Show them opportunity away from um, their own performance. You know, we, we knew that we would get opportunities as individuals if we as a team were were performing and I think over the course of the, the three years, I think everybody should be you know, really, really pleased with what we did manage to achieve um, you know, beat a full member for the first time, um, and sort of knocked Zimbabwe out of of their own tournament, yeah. so to speak. And we had some really, really strong performances against other teams as well, and and we've got lots of guys who went on to to get franchise opportunities around the world. I think three years ago, to to sit here now and think that's where we are now, um, and from where we came from, I think that's that's unbelievable. I have no doubt whatsoever uh, that you will be doing exactly the same for many teams for many years to come, be that here in the region or so. worldwide. Uh, don't you worry, Dougie. I know for a fact that you will, that's for sure. Uh, but I think you've got a, a very special delivery, opening delivery to face up to uh, before <laughs> all that. Um, all the best to you and Amelia, my friend. I know it's, a, it's, it's, it's an exciting time for you, uh, a nervous time for you as well. Just remember to breathe, all right, Dougie? <laughs> Cheers, Tom. I will do. And thanks very much, guys. Thanks for Cheers, Dougie. Brilliant, Dougie. From Dougie Brown there, the uh, former <laughs> head coach of the UAE national team and a former international in his own right, uh, who will be, of course, as I said, 
um, uh, hopefully in the next 24 hours, as he was saying. I mean, that's, that's imminent, isn't it? That is, that is imminent. Fair play to him for jumping on the phone because I remember it five months ago. I was in no fit state to take any phone calls. <laughs> so thanks for that. And he made a lot of sense there as well, did Dougie. I remember those hours leading up to it. No, I would have never been able to do that. Absolutely not. <laughs> 4001, if you'd like to have your say. So cricket, we've ticked a box there. We will come back and talk more cricket. If you've got any uh, thoughts or input into the uh, uncertain... Oh dear, I've done it again, haven't I? Notch another one up, fellas. Uh, the unprecedented... No, there we are. There's the third of the night. Uh, difficult times for the world of cricket. Feel free to share your thoughts, be it the IPL, be it ongoing uh, other franchise tournaments. Uh, what about the Big Bash? What about the 100? Uh, what about the other events that have been scheduled for later on this year, the T20 World Cup amongst others? Please do share your thoughts with us now. 4001, if you want to have your say. Uh, we are going to turn our attention now, though, to rugby. Next, keep your thoughts coming in. 4001. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. It's myself, Tom Urquhart, uh, alongside uh, Robbie Greenfield and Chris McCarty as we work through some of the big stories in the world of sport. I think it goes without saying that sport in general is in a, dare we say, it, vulnerable position. But as Dougie Brown was just saying there a few minutes ago, I think it uh, also... Uh, is is wise to try and put it into context. Yet we are talking to sport, as Dougie put it there, and I thought it was a really good point that he made. It's just reminded us how important sport is to us. But it has created a bit of a nightmare and a bit of a headache for a number of not just schedulers, but organisers uh, and official bodies of the world of sport. Obviously, we're casting our eyes over all of them over the course of the next three hours. Um, Rugby league, though. Rugby league is one of the last, uh, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, was one of the last sports... T- to call a halt to the season proceedings uh, because of the risks that we're doing the rounds at the moment. That, in turn, has uh, caused a number of observers of the game, observers of the game, uh, to highlight the vulnerability of rugby league at the top level. Rugby league is in a very vulnerable position. I doubt that it could survive for two or three months without support, maybe for two or three weeks. And all of the major sports have met with the departure of culture, media and sport to suggest support packages which maybe needed to be put in place. Look, I do accept this is, is a chance for society, not just for sport. And everybody in every walk of life needs some help and support at this time. But I do think that the government recognises what a vital role sport plays in this country. It's almost like a healthy glue that holds so many communities together. And that's why it's essential that we keep sport alive here for when the crisis is finally over so we still have that sporting landscape in this country for which so many people, I don't know, enjoy and thrive and, and, and live amongst. Bleak outlook there from Sky Sports' uh, Phil Clark on the prospect, uh, not just of his beloved rugby league, but sport in general as well. So let's put it to a man who's been there and done that. Uh, he represented Western Samoa in rugby league honours uh, for his beloved Western Samoa. Also had an extraordinary career at St Helens, playing uh, best part of what, 200 games for St Helens. Went on, of course, to represent club and country uh, uh, for rugby union as well. And as in the recent years, Uh, invested so much time, expertise and of course those all-important skills into rugby here in the region. He is the eponymous Apollo Perolini, the man behind the Apollo Perolini Rugby Rugby Skills Academy here in the UAE and the current uh, national head coach joins us live on the line. AP, good to have you on board. How's home? (laughs) Good afternoon. (laughs) Been stuck at home for the last few days. It's crazy. Um, I'm going stir crazy. Yep, absolutely. I saw you out and about shopping, uh, filling up the old uh, the, the shopping basket a little earlier on. A bit of chocolate, was it? <laughs> and a lot of chocolate. Actually. It's, it's my um, it's my weak point. Uh, Achilles heel is uh, sweet stuff. But uh, I, I, we went out just to just have a look and see how the community is, and it was nice to see that the community is the same as. It's normal, actually. It's quite, it's quite nice. People coming together in these times of trouble. I want to talk to you about, obviously, rugby here in the region. We're going to get your thoughts on rugby union. I'm going to kick off there with, with rugby league. You know I've got a soft spot for it as well. Is it in a more vulnerable position, AP, than other sports? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and, I, and I know that a lot of sports do rely on gate takings, but uh, more so in rugby league, it's in the north, uh, and being involved with St Helens, the, the gate takings uh, are so important just to, to back up the payments for, for salaries for players, and to and they budget, you know, years ahead just just 
relying on 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 the uh, you know, everybody to walk through that gate to to, to pay uh, to sit in the grandstand and and to be entertained and and that all sort of flows back into the club and and supports the game. But to to go through so many months and to miss out on on a full season if if we do ever play any games this year, um, it's going to really really um, hamper the, the the clubs. And it's going to be the same with rugby union as well. Yeah, two sports. You're absolutely right, AP. It's not like football. I mean, the Premier League is an absolute cash cow when it comes to rugby union, but more so, as you've already alluded to, rugby league. It is much a finer line there, right? It is, as you rightly say, it's the fans in the stadiums because I know Sky Sports over in the UK have a TV deal, but it's nothing like the money that's spent from a footballing standpoint. Absolutely. No, no you're right there. And, and, and I... It's a, it's the weakest of the of the three brothers, yeah. <laughs> and and at this time they're probably the most vulnerable out of um, all the sports at the moment. And so, um, and and hearing on the news back back in the UK, um, the chairman of St Helens, um, Aidan McManus, was just expressing his concern for the game, and not just for a club as well, but uh, more so the the game of rugby league in the UK. What about the different hemispheres, AP? Because, I mean, I've seen the, the latest reports from Australia that the situation is by no means, un, you know, b- by no means to be taken lightly there, but there's no doubt that Europe has, has been hit harder than most. Do you see rugby accelerating its, its return to our TV screens, to the sports fields in the southern hemisphere faster than perhaps it will do in the northern? I don't know. I don't think. To be honest, the more you watch the um, what's happening around um, the atmospheres and uh, and the way that this coronavirus and I, and I hate talking about it, <laughs> but um, but if, if I look at, at where Australia and New Zealand are, um, I think New Zealand have taken a big stance by just cancelling everything. Yeah. <laughs> Putting everything on hold, whereas Australia are kind of uh, laid back and, and, and just trying to carry on. Which they ask the question of uh, sort of where the, where do they stand morally on 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 the whole situation, and, and so it's, it's it, I don't know whether it's a matter of responsibilities, uh, but I, I saw that there was there's a few games on um, over this weekend, but no crowds in. But you know, when when do you stop? Mm. <laughs> Give us a bit of insight, AP, if you can. Of course, you are the coach of the UE national team. I mean, how? what's the message from you? How are you keeping your boys and the, the rugby boys here fit? I mean, obviously, I know gyms are closed around the Emirates as well. Obviously, it's stay indoors. So how are you keeping morale up and are you in touch with the boys? And I guess, what's your message to them? Well, a lot of them, we've spoken just before we, um, we found out that there's going to be a a stoppage in, um, in all competitions throughout the UAE. We said, look, it's, it's, it's important that they um, stay on top um, of their fitness because as far as Asia rugby is concerned, the, they are making decisions with regards to um, our competitions. But at, on the 30th of June, the scheduled Asia competitions are still um, there and not being cancelled or postponed. And so we're, all we're waiting for is that if we can get through this by the end of June, we should know where the um, where we're playing and, and what we're doing. But it's very hard. And then was looking at uh, what's happening around town is that there, a lot more people are now going out and, and buying gym equipment mm-hmm. and you know, exercise equipment just to keep fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a rowing machine. I've got a bike. <laughs> and, but I've been going regular walks. But um, before the... The top athletes, <laughs> I'm not like myself, <laughs> um, probably need a little bit more than just a rowing machine and, and a bike. <laughs> um, AP, I just want to get your thoughts on on, on, the, on the impact it's having. I mean, I, pr- I pretty much know the answer to this one, but just give us a little bit of an insight. I mean, you are the man behind the Apollo Perolini Rugby Skills Academy. Yeah, your name's up there, but you employ coaches you employ staff um you've got a lot of kids on the books that you've helped out uh, during times past again uh, you know you don't know when you can restart those uh, initiatives as well uh, yours is also just one of a number of sports academies and sports organizations out there that are feeling the pinch do we need to spare a thought for those that are suffering as a result of this fallout 
Yeah, well, it, it all started when the, the KHDA um, to stop the, the schools and, and 40% of a majority of the, the academies that exist, whether it be football, tennis, netball, rugby, um, a lot of their programs exist within schools. So the moment they cancelled that, um, when KHDA put a, um, a stop to all every activity in schools, it affected, for us, 40% of our business. And it, um, when you lose 40% of your business overnight, uh, so you've then got a budget out for for the, the, the rest of the term. But when they turn around um, a week later and say that it's for all activities outside of, even including outside of schools, that's, that's 100% of all um, our business. And it is a very big challenge. And speaking to a lot of academies, they've had to lay off of staff that put staff on um, unpaid leave. Uh, we we lose over six six figures, and because a lot of our programs hadn't finished uh, prior to the end of term, you know, there, there's refunds that we've now got to account uh, account for. So there's a lot of costs that um, to that, and so we we don't know how long we'll survive this. Uh, whether we, you know, if, if it goes till June, we will be out of business. Unfortunately, and and majority of of, of uh, smaller business uh, academies will be in the same boat. Um, so it's it's a difficult one. We have loyal. The the great thing that we do have is that we've got loyal um, yeah. um, parents and who've emailed us lovely emails to show their support, understanding our our position. And, and some of them and said, "Look, forget about the refunds. Don't even worry about the, you know the, the last owing of any sessions." And we've had a lot of kind-hearted, you know, really um, um, kind people yeah. saying, don't worry. But also the, the, um, they said, look, we'll be back the moment you um, all this is, is finished. So the the loyalty of a lot of the parents is what we have to rely on to to get back into business after this all sort of... But just away. look at your social medias over the last couple of days as well. I mean, and you, you know, again, reiterating that point of there's no need to panic by. People should stay at home, be responsible, follow the directives of the leaders, do do your bit for the wider community. You've mentioned the community there. You've mentioned the loyalty of parents as well. Tough times for us all, but we've got to come together, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's the real importance of it all. It's, it's how... Well, ironically, we're, we're saying come together, but we're going to stay away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> come together with a distance, yeah? <laughs> yeah, come together, but stay there. <laughs> but, um, it was, um, so what I've been doing is, is putting together um, um, some um, training, you know, um, training um, exercises for, for our kids. And, I've been, and I posted one this morning. Uh, but I'm, over the next few weeks, I'm going to use kids from our academy to uh, to promote training. They've got to do it themselves. And, and also I'm, I'm calling on from players around the world, you know, uh, have a, a global input into just posting a, a, a training session just for everybody. Um, what they can do at home and, you know, uh, using the, using your, inside your house and any, anything that exists in your house just to, just to keep up your fitness. But, um, and, and that's I guess what we've always created and uh, tried to create in our academy is the community. And it's important that uh, we are a community and, and as long as we stay together as a community, we support each other just through a phone call. And it's important that just picking up the phone and ringing people around and saying, how are you? How are you doing? Is everything okay? Do, do you need anything? And, and I think that's important is that touching base. And I think so when this all happens, everybody comes up kills up on their sofa and think, oh, if I stay here, I'll be all right. Uh, whereas uh, I think just picking up the phone and ringing, ringing around friends and family is, 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 is so important. What about the UAE Rugby Federation, AP? Have, has there been coming, anything coming out of, of them to say, to a message of support, solidarity? Have you been in touch with them? Have you had any conversations with them? Yeah, uh, well, the UAE Rugby Federation was one of the first federations to say stop rugby <laughs> two weeks out from our finals <laughs> uh, they they felt it was very important that the um, case was really um, wanted just just to stop because it was um, just morally wasn't wasn't right that we should carry on sports if schools have been been asked to stop um, and so he he's 
sat with his board and discussed and said, look, it would be in the best interest of of everybody. Uh, okay, We've had to put the game on hold, and it was the best interest of everybody in the community and, and the UAE uh, rugby to, just to stop the game. And, you know, at the time, I think there was a massive uproar, but now when you think about it, uh, you know what, that's right. <laughs> it was the right decision, and at the, and at the time, it wasn't right for everybody. It wasn't right for me as a, as a business. It wasn't right for a lot of kids who who play the sport. But but you know, when you look at what's happening around the world. Uh, I think responsibility was um, was the best thing to do. Um, so yeah. Um, but they, they are caring. They, they do care. They do care. Yeah, puts it in perspective, doesn't it? We love sport. We all live it, breathe it, enjoy it, play it. Well, some of us <laughs> to higher levels than others around this table, that's for sure. Uh, AP, keep the faith, man. I know you always have. You've been a great advocate of not just rugby, but sport here in the region for such a long time. And that positivity uh, is very much in demand at the moment. So stay positive, uh, keep the faith, and we'll certainly stay in touch. And if there's anything we can do to help out at all, uh, AP, you know you can always come and knock on our door thank you brothers and enjoy your evening and stay safe Apollo Berellini uh, the head coach of the UAE national or rugby team what are we doing next I'm getting confused now we're talking we've done what have we done we've, we've done, done cricket, cricket we've done rugby we're talking tennis Rima Balil joins us next next you're listening to The Grill more of the biggest sports stories now on Dubai I 103.8 Turn our attention to the world of tennis, if we can. Uh, we have understand that the suspension of the professional tennis tours uh, because of the current situation has, has been extended to the 7th of June. That's not to say, though, that uh, some tennis authorities haven't come in for a bit of stick over the last few days in the way that they've handled some of the cancellations and rescheduling, None more so than the French Open, which has been rescheduled until September um, uh, as a result uh, of the current situation. Uh, that hasn't gone down with everybody out there in the tennis world, including former, former British number one, Barry Cohen. It's not just the four slams, then you've got the WTA, then you've got the ATP, and then you've got the ITF. And we've seen in, in our sport how it seemed really hard to get all seven parties together. And it, it worries me now that they're going to be further away than, than they've ever been because of their own interests. Um, the ATP Cup um, that started in January, six weeks after the Davis Cup, which was basically the same event, but, you know, very similar. And that and the Davis Cup was a few months after the Labour Cup, which is, you know, obviously an innovative um, exhibition event that, that Federer and his management team started up, and, it, and it's been a it's been a success. But uh, <laughs> tennis does continue to shoot itself in the foot, and and that for me, sitting back now. In this difficult moments, that would have, that would have been my one wish. This was the perfect time for for all of us to get together and just find a perfect solution. And, and unfortunately, um, the French haven't done that. Not alone. I mean, everyone's got a scheduling headache at of the course. moment because of the uncertainty. Of course, oh, sorry, uh, and the uncertainty, yeah. unprecedented times, and all of that. You can stamp that Three on your more. bingo card. That's five times now in the first fifty-three minutes or so. But but you're right, oh, Tom. I think <laughs> Tom said them all. <laughs> I think I said the first one. I might have taken a little bit of a spread on this one, boys. (laughs) (laughs) But listen, the French, listen, I can understand it in many respects. The mistake they made was not telling the rest. It's quite a big mistake. It's a huge mistake. It's it's protecting their interests. And and one lady who is better versed than either of us three to really comment on this, it is Reem Abelail, someone who is, I've said it time and time again, when you think of five or six top journalists that follow the sport, Reem is right up there at the very top of the tree and she joins us live on the line. Now, Reem, great to have you on this evening thanks for having me guys let's delve straight into it Reem your thoughts on the French Open authorities essentially without telling anyone else you know actually saying you know what we're going to take the French Open and we're going to stick it in September a week after the US Open thoughts on that I think they panicked yeah. I think that they spent so much money to to have a roof which was going to be make its debut this year and all the construction and stuff so I think they spent so much money and they panicked and they just made a unilateral decision that obviously didn't, as you guys mentioned, it didn't go well with anybody else. But everyone else's response was so fast that I think the French Open really quickly realized that they shouldn't have done that. Um, I think that, like Barry Cowan said, and like everyone's saying, obviously it's the time to be united and all of that. But also, it, a Grand Slam is a big deal. I understand if one turn, like, I know that every tournament has to uh, think of their own interests, but 
a slam needs two weeks. It needs a week before it as well for qualifying. That's three weeks. It, it's best of five for the men. It, it affects so much, and they really should have spoken to everybody else about it. Um, but I think, in a way, they united everybody else against them. Because <laughs> <it needs it. laughs> right? Because right. I, I mean, we're getting joint statements from the ACP, the WCA, and stuff. We've never seen that before. Like, we never used to get joint statements from both tours because they barely ever agreed on anything. So kind of, in a way, having the ICF and the ATP and the WCA and the USTA and Tennis Australia and all of these different entities, because there are like seven big stakeholders in tennis, not to mention the tournaments and not to mention the players. So having everyone agree on something, I think that's the one thing they managed to do, the FFP. <laughs> Reem, are we going to see some kind of mafia-style sit-down between all the organizations, like the five families <laughs> in New York? Are they all going to come together and get around the table and thrash this out? Because, you know, as you point out, you can't have Grand Slams on top of one another. That just doesn't work. So the French Open, to do that, they're hijacking the US Open. And, of course, Wimbledon have gone on record to say that they're very reluctant to host or to hold the tournament without any fans able to attend. That doesn't tally with the Prime Minister Boris Johnson's comments about, about how long social distancing in the UK will last for, and therefore that puts Wimbledon under threat. So, in your opinion, are we likely to see the four Grand Slams held in 2020? I think the whole tennis season is in jeopardy, to be honest. I know a lot of the players think that. Uh, and simply because the nature of tennis is quite different from other sports where people are traveling from everywhere else in the world to make it to a specific tournament. And now we're in a situation where every government has its own rules, right? It has mm-hmm. its own restrictions based on the situation. We have some cities that are on lockdown, some countries are on lockdown, some countries don't have operating airports at the moment, some do. When you're in the situation and suddenly you are going to hold a tournament and there isn't equal opportunity for everyone to be able to travel to that tournament, you can't really host that tournament. It's unfair, especially if it's a slam, one of the mandatory tournaments, huge prize money, huge points on the line. So I, I genuinely think that we might not have tennis this year. Wow. And you mentioned there that players, obviously you're privy, you've got great relationships with a number of players, Reem. Is that a general feeling that the players themselves are saying, it doesn't matter what the French Open is doing, moving it back to September, because there is a distinct possibility that the year is wiped out? Well, without naming names, but there are a lot of, there's so many different opinions. Some people uh, are like, we're grateful if we can play two slams this year. So if, it's, if, if, if we get to a point where we're going to play the U.S. Open and the French Open back-to-back, that's a lot of money and a lot of mm. points. So uh, there's a lot of people who, who feel that way, including even tournament directors of tournaments that are supposed to be held at the same time as the French Open. They're going out and saying, well, you know what? It's more important for tennis to have a slam than to have my small 250-level yeah. event. So that's one, one view. There are many others who believe that there isn't going to be tennis this year and can't see it happening at all. There are some who are suggesting maybe the slams should go to best of three, so that if you have two back-to-back slams, the men aren't killing their bodies playing best of five, like two slams over five weeks of best of five tennis. There's so many different things. I think the unknown, so much is left up in the air at the moment we don't know what's going to happen and that's why i think as much as yes the french open should have really spoken to everybody and what they did was not great at the same time who knows if even in september there's going to be any tennis yeah. so that's kind of how i see it let me ask you this question i mean let's assume uh, and certainly from a uk perspective i think i said this on this show last week 10 to 14 weeks was the medical experts saying it will peak so we're looking at about june and july in the uk that's of course if the necessary precautions do take hold and certainly boris john is ensuring that that is the case. So let's assume that we get to September. Let's assume, as you've pointed out, we might get the US Open leading into the French Open. Now, it's been pointed out that the Lever Cup, that is Roger Federer's little baby, and he has put an awful lot of time effort into starting up this tournament. Would he, and again, I'm looking for you to look into your crystal ball, if, we, if you will, would he say no to the French Open to keep the Lever Cup alive? Well, the thing is, it's not just Roger. So it's Roger's company, which is Team 8, but also the part, their partners are the USTA and Tennis Australia. So the, the plot kind of thickens because you've yeah. got two of the other uh, like federations who run slams who are also with Roger in this. So there's going to be a lot of negotiating going on. I think Roger's event 
can easily move simply because it's a weekend event. It's three days. Mm. It's three days, and you've got just two teams, and that's pretty much it. Of course, yes, it's sold out and all of that, but there's concerts and stuff that always kind of get canceled, and you can move it somewhere else. So I don't, I don't think that's a huge problem. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be really bad, a very, very bad look for the sport if we're in a situation where there are players who are going to ditch the French Open to go play in the Labour Cup, which that's going to be a very bad look. I, I hate. I kind of hate to ask this question, Reem, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And, and this is kind of speculating on the speculation. So just please bear with me here. But I know we don't know what's going to happen. I know that. But of the big three, who does this hurt the most? Is it Roger because he's that old that, let's be honest, by 2021, is he that going to be that competitive? Is it Novak because he's, he's on such a tear at the moment and this is going to halt his momentum? Is it Rafa if you squeeze the two tournaments together? Of those three players, and, and we are interested in the Grand Slam race. I know it's the least of our concerns right now, but we are interested in it. Hence, I will ask the question. <laughs> I, I think, uh, first of all, if we look at the situation as a whole, including the current hiatus, uh, it's good for Roger because he wasn't going to, he was going to lose a lot of points. And now that the rankings are frozen, because he wasn't going to be playing anyway, because he yeah. has surgery, right? So he's not losing. There's like 2,680 points that Roger made during this period last year that he's no longer going to drop. So that's good for Roger in all cases, is that when he comes back, he still has a top four ranking or top five ranking and, and, and is in prime position. So I think it doesn't hurt Roger. Uh, I think it kind of hurts Novak because, like you said, he was he's undefeated this year, had this momentum going, and then it stopped. And I think it's it's kind of also not bad for Rafa because all of his clay points are there without having to defend. And still, with, then, if he will defend the 2,000 points from the French Open later in the year, that that still gives him an opportunity to... I mean, he's he's Rafa. He's <laughs> always going to do well on clay, right? So, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a funny one. I think the biggest thing is, whoever makes it deep in the U.S. Open, it's, that person is probably not going to have any time to practice on clay or even get like get over the jet lag and stuff traveling to europe after the u.s so mm. that person i don't see anybody doing a u.s open french open double i think that that would be insane reem really appreciate your time as always thanks so much indeed for joining us uh, interesting times that's right we can't short that one up that's fine but uh, interesting times for us all i'm sure we'll be asking you for your expertise yet again before too long but for now uh, enjoy enjoy the replays yeah, exactly. Thank you, <laughs> Take care, Reem. Cheers, Reem. Uh, this is all about the replays at the moment. If you love your sport, although we have found out that the NRL is still ongoing. Three games completed in the NRL a little earlier on today down in Australia, albeit behind, of course, closed doors. You're listening to The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.